Tonight, we're taking a closer look at a new technology that's making waves in the world of AI. ChatGPT, a language model created by OpenAI, has the ability to respond to prompts in a human-like manner. Okay, so what I just said, what I just read to you, I didn't write that, and my staff didn't write that either. No human wrote it. That was written by a new online tool called ChatGPT. It's a program you can find on the web that will compose anything you ask it. In this case, we asked simply, quote, how would Anderson Cooper at CNN introduce a segment on ChatGPT? And that popped out. And it could have been written by anybody here. The, I mean, it's a little too formal. I would have changed some of the writing on it, but it's pretty remarkable. Welcome back to Cargo Cult. I'm Naomi Caravani. And I'm Michelle Greenstein. It's time to get into chatbots. It's time to chat about the chatbots. It's time. I mean, we have been chatting about the chatbots a lot, but now yeah. it's time to really get into it. And like, where did they come from? Who fathered these chatbots? It's funny. We kind of mentioned them in almost every episode in some way up until now. But now we're going deep. We're going for a big, deep dive. A big, deep dive. Let's address the elephant in the room. It's ChatGPT. Mm. This is the chat pot everyone's talking about right now. She's all the rage. Um, getting a lot of attention for what is perceived to be a liberal bias. People like were asking it to write a poem praising Donald Trump. And it was like, sorry, I can't do that because Donald Trump promotes hatred and violence. And then mm. when, when you ask it to promote... Oh, libtard. Yeah, exactly. Or when you ask it to do a poem praising Biden, it was like, Biden stands tall <laughs> and strong. A leader like no one's ever seen along or whatever. And um, he's totally not 80 years old. Yeah. And he totally knows where he is and definitely isn't like a racist pedophile. Yeah, so that's the controversy happening right now with chat GPT. There's also a a lot of chat a lot of articles coming out like chat gpt was mean to me and yeah. like or it says i want to be alive or the chatbot there was a chatbot controlling a twitch stream that was doing like uh spontaneous seinfeld episodes and it was mm. like on um yeah it was on twitch and and it got taken off twitch for like doing an anti-trans joke which i tried watching the seinfeld it's not very funny it's not funny and and people are like in this clip the bot seems to like become sentient and talk about itself it's and such talk a about reach. Art artificial intelligence yeah and every time one of these articles comes out it really like just hypes up the chatbot so much that we don't realize its limitations yeah the twitch ai seinfeld controversy i feel like uh when people would report on it they wouldn't note that the reason it was doing all that homophobic stuff was because programmers like went back to an earlier version of the language model but they rolled back to an earlier version of gpt which didn't have the content moderation that the newer model had that great content moderation that those uh you know dollar a day workers in kenya worked so hard exactly. to provide us exactly um as we talked about on the last episode uh so chatbot also known as chatterbot it's basically software that can um, lead a conversation and it's meant to imitate human conversation. And the first idea for the chatbot was created by Alan Turing. You may know him um, as Benedict Cumberbatch from the <laughs> imitation game. He wrote this paper that was like, I bet we could get machines not to be us. Uh, not to think like he was posing the question can machines think while well, he's like mm, i think that they can imitate thinking mm -hmm. and the way you prove that 
is by um, what became the Turing test later, which was just having a human being, the chatbot, and another human that would judge. Can they tell the difference between the human and the chatbot? So the Turing test is someone not seeing which one is creating what output, not seeing what's coming yeah. from the robot and what's They're coming from the They're both behind human. the curtain. The test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. And so this Turing test or the um, the imitation game test was put on like all different chatbots. Fast forward, so that's 1950s. He's like, I have this great idea. I don't have time to do it. I'm too busy writing other codes. So in 1966, uh, Joseph Wiseman, a computer scientist, also a Jew who escaped Germany mm. and decided to go back to Berlin in his very late days, 1996, and spend the last days of his life in his homeland, Germany. Interesting. Even though he worked for MIT, you would think he would have a great life in the U.S. But anyways. Well, it's funny because the, like, Orthodox Jews have this thing where, like, you're not allowed to go back to Egypt as a Jew. Like, you're not supposed Mm. to go back to Egypt because, like, we were slaves there. So Mm. you think it would apply to Germany. Not a lot of evidence showing that they were slaves. Oh, no way. Egypt is the one place where we have so much evidence of different peoples that were working for them, different peoples they were at war with. And around the time that the pyramids were built, we don't have any uh, accounts of a different ethnicity being enslaved. There's mentions of the Hyksos, which are definitely not the Israelites wow. that they were at war with. So it's possible that there was another tribe that later that was in fact enslaved mm. but they were not israelites and what, they were the like, whole deal with like joseph like becoming the pharaoh that sorry didn't happen. oh i'm not i, I'm I mean the egyptian way, but... record says otherwise and they sure. were and that and we have like a great amount of evidence Damn, take that. that jews sorry i can't believe i've been bribed we really just took that slaves. whole story at face value yeah, um, it's a good story. I mean, it is the best book of the Bi- the Bible. The Bible. The, it's <laughs> the most viable book of the Bible. I was thinking it was like really, you know, had good vibes, but bad what, vibes Exodus? in the Old Testament, good vibes in the You mean <laughs> Exodus? Yeah, Exodus is like the only good story. Exodus like has the most drama for sure because of, I guess, that fake story of yeah. like being slaves and then, you know, freeing yourselves and the whole journey in no, the desert. Yeah, not much, the, the, not much evidence. The Bible coming down from Mount Sinai from Moses, the that's Exodus, right? Yeah. 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 Name the Ten Commandments right now. You won't. You can't. Don't fuck my wife. <laughs> uh, don't steal from me. <laughs> Number one, I am a god. Number two. No other gods. Don't worship any idols. Right. Graven no, images, yeah. False gods. Don't worship any idols. Don't worship a calf, for example. Just for example, like a golden calf in a desert. Yeah. Don't do that. Number three, don't say my name in vain. Keep my name out of your mouth. Number three. Keep my motherfucking <laughs> Keep holy my name, name out your motherfucking <laughs> mouth. Number four, it's either Sabbath or honor your father and mother. And I want to say it's Sabbath. Okay, ding, then ding, number ding, five ding. is, is uh, honor your father and mother. You got it. Um, which is like a little like heteronormative and problematic, but okay. Yeah. Um, number six, do not kill. Number seven, do not steal. Number eight. No, you got six wrong. Oh, adultery. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so six is do not kill. Seven is adultery. Eight it well, seven is do not do adultery. Eight is do not steal. Nine is 
Mm, this is a tricky one. It's do not bear false witness. Yeah. And then 10 is do not covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah. Or your your neighbor's cow or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, neighbor's wife, cow, whatever they got. <laughs> yeah. I mean. What's the actual language? Basically, number 10 is like, don't be a jealous bitch. Covet your neighbor's house, wife, servant, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay. How the fuck did we get here? <laughs> Command. Or, oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We said we wanted to take it back to the beginning. <laughs> the first chat bot was God. <laughs> it was, it was Moses was speaking as if he was God? He was speaking as if he was a sentient AI. As if he was a God. Um, um, it's kind of apt though because people do treat technology such as chatbots, such as even Google Search, sometimes as like this omniscient genius, mm-hmm. godly type of figure, even if they're not cognizant of the fact that they're seeing it that way this is it yeah of all truth exactly so there's an interesting thing about joseph wiseman he creates eliza not in 1966 the first chatbot which is meant to be a rogerian therapist which means that they guide you through your thinking instead of like really responding to what Mm -hmm. you're saying they're just like Oh, that's interesting thing that you said about your wife. Tell me more about her. And um, so it was a natural language processing technique. And it it basically has a script. It's like a yes and bot. You know, it's like an improv bot. It's studied at UCB. It can do zip, zap, zap with you. Okay, I'll stop. And so it did pass the Turing test. And people were like, wow, this is so smart. And people were fooled by it. And Mm. Wiseman was like, no, it is not a human. Yeah. The reason you're so fooled by it is because humans have such superficial conversations. Even later in his life was like worried about how duped people would be by chatbots yeah and he was like these are not sentient beings like this is just just a trick yeah you guys are just dumb and And so when the chatbot says something simple it sounds like you yeah exactly the chatbot can talk about the weather just like you can to a stranger you know i you see a lot of the same thing happening with chat now people are like oh my god this chatbot has a bias towards biden and it's like no the chatbot is just pattern recognition. It scrapes the internet, and there are articles that are biased towards Biden online. Exactly. It, what what Wiseman reminds me of is like that South Park Human Centipede episode. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. Where he's like, gross. <laughs> it's like uh, what's it, the Apple guy? The first Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. He's trying to teach people to read the Apple terms and services, oh. and he sews. Uh, this is kind of long. He sews like people ass to mouth. And he's like, okay, you'll be free if you just read the terms of service. And they're just like, scroll and sign. And he's like, no! (laughs) That's really funny. So it's just like, People are are not willing to do the work of like really looking to see if this computer is uh, actually imitating human life or it's just really simple to be tricked. And there's a lot of startups now that are going to be chatbot therapists and geared towards that. Then the next chatbot we have is Perry in 1972. And they kind of flip Eliza on its head and they're like, this is Eliza with attitude. So they try to get the chatbot to um, be a patient with schizophrenia and see if the reverse can happen. Therapists can diagnose if they can diagnose the chatbot or and realize, but this one did not pass the Turing test. It instead um, 
people would just guess and and it was like the answers were kind of consistent with random guessing mm-hmm. so the chatbot was not showing uh human capabilities in conversation but we do have an exclusive chat between perry crazy bot and eliza Eliza. do you want to read it with me or should i read it myself i'll read it with you so this is eliza chatting with perry in 1972 all right people get on my nerves sometimes i'm not sure i understand you fully you should pay more attention suppose you should pay more attention you're entitled to your opinion what makes you think i'm entitled to my opinion It bothers me just to be around people. Please go on. (laughs) I put my own spit on that. Perry continues with some paranoid ramblings about horse racing, bookies, and the mafia. Wait, so who's that? Is that Perry saying that? No, they're cutting out some of the conversation, which I really would want to see. Yeah, what the fuck? What is Perry saying about the mafia? The mafia says Okay, he does say some stuff. I know the mob controls the big rackets. Who are you really talking about? Have you ever really thought about the mafia? I suppose you ever really thought about the mafia? Let's talk about something else. I'm not sure I understand you fully. You keep asking me the same things. Why not change the topic? In what way? So, yeah. Yeah, they're clearly not sentient. It's almost like they're only responding to the last thing that was said and not the conversation in totality. Exactly. Yeah, so they're responding to keywords. Another bot is the Alice bot. It was. It started development in 1988, but then was released in 1995. And this was like meant to be a bot that you could have a conversation with, mm-hmm. and that would kind of be able to understand meaning. But it still couldn't pass the Turing test, like Perry. Only Eliza so far has passed the Turing test and proven it can trick humans into thinking it's human but it was the inspiration for her the spike jones film because it was a bot that was like supposed to be fun to talk to Mm -hmm. and this is the first time it's like entertainment it kind of gave you the illusion of a personality. Yeah, exactly. And so I hate that movie. It's not I just, good. It's not good. No. It's too makes me feel so lonely. So let's fast forward to Jabberwacky, which is kind of the first strong AI that learns it's created in England. That's why it has a fucked up name like Jabberwacky. And it's meant to be a funny bot to have a conversation with. And now it's like really kind of getting the bot to be more uh, an entertainment thing. And it, this actually passes the Turing test. And now we're in the era in 1997 of strong AI where AI can use evolutionary algorithms. It can learn. It can change from the conversation weak ai can perform like one specific task mm-hmm. like like a calculator even okay like it can calculate better than a human like and really fast and all that but it can't do other things like i could do math in my head but i could also sing and dance and type on my computer the calculator can only do math yeah so like that's like a really extreme example obviously because calculators are really narrow in their tasks strong ai can do a variety of tasks and can i guess be a little bit closer to a human in that way because it can perform a variety of functions and like teach itself to look for and then solve new problems and it can create new responses so strong ai it means that it can create the the machine is learning and it's creating new responses whereas Alice, Eliza, Perry, 
they were using keywords, they were using pattern matching techniques rather than algorithms. And then there's kind of like a 10 year kind of gap where chatbots just become a thing that are played around with in universities. They're not really, there's a, a prize every year for a bot to pass the Turing test and be able to imitate humans and be ind indistinguishable from humans. But chatbots don't really pop their heads up until like the 2010s when mm. we have Siri and Google Assistant, Cortana, Alexa, Microsoft bots. And we see an explosion of like helpful chatbots yeah. in the, you know, in uh, cust the customer service arena. And there's the big ones like Siri and Cortana. And then there's also like a lot of small businesses will use vendors to like create their own chatbots. So like if you, you know, have a t-shirt company and you have a bunch of people visiting your website and they ask like questions that get asked all the time to the point where like if you're a small business, you don't want to take the time to like go and respond to it one by yeah, one. Like it's an you know, FAQ. What sizes do your shirts It's like a live in? FAQ, yeah. right? But instead of someone going and like finding the information on themselves on a web page. They ask the bot and then the bot gives mm -hmm. you the predetermined answer. Yeah, and it's kind of like no better than a search engine. A lot of the customer no. service the customer service bots aren't really saving as much labor as you would think that they were. Those bots are so uh, incapable of doing complex tasks. You always have somebody behind who's like, Actually, oh, and now we're connecting yeah. you to an agent. And the problem is, is that those agents then have to become, have to use the language of the bot yeah, they have to like select from a predetermined list of possible answers. And so th then you're basically talking to a human pretending, pretending to, to be, be a bot. bot. And that's... Or even worse, where like you'll have like a 20 minute conversation with a bot just to get to the human. And then the human finally gets there and they're like, what's the issue? And it's like, I just I just answered every question that the spot threw at me for 20 minutes just to get to you. And now the human's like, sorry, that wasn't me. Actually, now I'm really here. Tell me what's wrong. And you yeah. Have to give all the information back again. Overall, it's anno more annoying than good. But sometimes the chatbots help you scam big corporations because mm -hmm. sometimes you're not talking to a person. You're just talking to this program with like predetermined yeah. outputs. And so if you just keep typing the word refund, refund, then eventually they'll be like, all right, I authorize the refund. And you don't actually have to make a cogent case to a human brain. The chatbot just is trained to see like, oh, if, if this person said the word refund and then I tried to tell them, no, we can do a refund. And then they kept asking for it three more times. Mm -hmm. They really weren't giving up. Then eventually the, the bot is like, quote unquote, authorized to give you a refund. So I feel like now that we've talked about some of ChatGPT's ancestors, we can talk about the... Flavor of the day, which is OpenAI's ChatGPT. OpenAI. Jabberwocky. The grandfathers. Perry. The, the, the forefathers and foremothers. They walked, so... ChatGPT could, could spew chat. racist <laughs> insults. Yeah. Um, so ChatGPT is a conversational AI capable of carrying out a conversation with a human. This type of AI research has been around for almost 80 years, but conversational AI has always been thought to be the most difficult to have the AI come back and actually sound like it's having a human to human conversation with you. And that's because natural language is not a precise science. Robots mm -hmm. understand, you know, math and science. Um, but obviously the natural language is full of nuance and variety and idioms, right? Mm -hmm. um, and conversations exist within context. They don't just exist as like, you know, math equations. Um, but yeah, ChatGPT if you think about it in terms of a program, we're not inclined to because we think of, we kind of uh, anthropomorphize it. But like you got to think of it in terms of a program. It's taking data in 
and giving an output out. It's input output. Mm. So it's taking the text that you type in, in the prompt, the question, the request, and it generates an output. ChatGPT is not thinking in the moment. When you're asking the question, it's not computing in that moment to send you something back. It already did all that computing sitting in wherever servers and wherever you said they oh, were. Ryan? But it's waiting for... Yes, pre- here. But I'll <laughs> well, just name all 50 states. Perfect, then we'll cut it in. And Indonesia, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it might be abroad. ChatGPT took one week to reach a million users. Instagram, and all those users were high school students trying, trying to get to an essay exactly. written. Um, just to compare, Facebook took 10 months to get to a million users. Spotify took five months. Instagram took two and a half months. And Angry Birds took... 35 days. Damn, so Angry Birds is better than chat. No, ChatGPT took five days one week. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so OpenAI was founded in late 2015 by Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, Elon Musk, Peter mm. Thiel, uh, Jessica Livingston, um, also in partnership with Amazon Web Services, Infosys, and YC Research, which is now called Open Research. So these entities got together and founded OpenAI in 2015. I'm sure they were doing it altruistic, for altruistic real. Of course, <laughs> especially with a group reasons. like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clearly the guy who created surveillance systems for the border, yeah, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel, is only using technology for good. You're joking, but that really is the story that they tried to go with in the beginning. Like the story that these founders, you know, came up with to be their like origin story is like, hey, look, you know, big tech does all its research behind closed doors, but we're going to be different. Any patents that OpenAI secures are going to be shared with the world. We're not just doing things for like a narrow profit motive. We're just doing things to better humanity. Obviously, the reason why they want, and it says that when you go and try ChatGPT, it tells you, oh, you're helping us, helping the bot learn. Like you're just adding more information into the language models so that it becomes a better product. And when they put the paywall on it, we're all going to want it. Yeah, we're all going to need it because we'll all become dependent on it, sure. Like imagine if they put a paywall on Google after all these years, like if tomorrow Mm -hmm. you couldn't Google things, you had to know exactly what URL you wanted to go to if you, you know, wanted to visit any website. Oh, fuck that. I ain't paying for that (laughs) shit. I'm just like, I would be dumb. Yeah, I'd be like, like, I'm good. I've learned enough. (laughs) I would just keep hold on to my Britannicas. Yeah. (laughs) One of the most significant points in OpenAI's recent history was the day that Microsoft came aboard, right? Oh, yeah. Cha-ching. In July 2019, Microsoft invested in and started to partner with OpenAI. That was $1 billion that Microsoft poured into OpenAI in 2019. And that investment made Microsoft the exclusive provider of cloud computing services to OpenAI. By the way, ChatGPT reportedly costs $100,000 a day to run. So whenever, yeah, whenever we think of like cloud technology, we have to remember that there's like these massive servers. Yeah, the, cl- the <laughs> cloud is so fake. Like they make, it makes you think they're like, oh, it's just up in the cloud. It's like, well, that data is being processed somewhere. Maybe it's not yeah. on your computer, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like there's the energy issue. There's the raw materials issue. And then there's the physical space issue. Like, where are these server farms? But first, let's talk about OpenAI, the company that owns ChatGPT. Broken AI. Broken AI. (laughs) Ostensibly, OpenAI's foundation was all about being different than other big tech companies. Um, You know, we're different. We're responsible. We're mindful. We're not just profit-driven and thoughtless. Like, we do everything with the goal of benefiting humanity in mind as opposed Mm -hmm. to just 
you know, having our research behind closed doors and uh, only serving the profit motive. So this is this is the marketing around the company, right? First, let's talk a little bit about some of the founders, mm-hmm. um, because as much as they'd like to position themselves as this alternative to quote unquote big tech, these people are the same are people. Big tech. These are big tech people. Um, big so tech it's kind investors. of funny. I know you know a little bit about Sam Altman, one of the co-founders. You want to talk a little bit about him? Well, he it's not the first business that he was involved in. He was involved in some like copycat business of a, an app that like shares your location and it utterly failed very miserably. Love. He always wears this backpack apparently. He's like doing like the Zuckerberg method of like yeah. total disarmament, like trying to look non-threatening. And supposedly in his backpack, he carries like a key to the servers and can like shut down open AI. No one man should have all that power. <laughs> He dropped out of Stanford, you know, typical tech guy, started his bullshit app at the age 19, Looped. That was a social networking site that would just share your location with other people like we didn't have that already. Um, And then he just became kind of involved in investing in different tech companies, Airbnb, Reddit, Asana, Pinterest. So he he's really like an investor more than a um not guy yeah Yeah. he's not creating everything he's like an ideas guy he was also the co-founder of world coin in 2020 which was um meant to give digital money to every human on earth by Mm. for free great and by using your eyeball to recognize your eyeball and of course this failed miserably and uh, he was not embarrassed sufficient enough to <laughs> to just to hot, go and come back for the on the yeah life. on the world stage. Unfortunately so. for us all, so he is like a guy who's riding trends. Um, now Elon Musk actually no longer owns a stake. You may have seen some of the headlines recently where he's like, "Oh, I," you know, he's been in the news yeah. for like kind of uh, distancing himself from OpenAI. Um, he said that he quit the company because he, quote, didn't agree with some of what the OpenAI team wanted to do. But that, yeah, and that was bullshit because it's a conflict of interest with, like, the AI he's working on with Tesla. That's so. that's also what he said, yeah. And then, but But I feel like more recently, he's trying to distance himself, like, culturally mm-hmm. from that group because Elon Musk, I mean, we should do a whole Musk episode. But what's happening with Elon Musk right now is that he and the Love ruling class are trying to brand him as this like alt anti-establishment figure, you know, you know, open AI has like a dangerous liberal bias, like that's his vibe. And you can really see what they're doing with him. Like it's it's really the Trump playbook, like just trying to be like really annoying, basically. <laughs> He's like taking on the role of Trump, especially on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of yeah, amplifying didn't he, like, some alt- Remember when he yeah. like fired an engineer because his tweets weren't getting as much visibility as Joe Biden. Yeah, he was saying <laughs> that like uh, his 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 reach wasn't as big as it used to be, so something must be wrong. And the engineer was like, "No, your content just sucks." <laughs> yeah. He's paraphrasing, of course. And then Elon Musk um, allegedly fired him for that reason. Elon Musk is literally so. I'm sorry, but he's so annoying on Twitter. Like, I guess let's take a quick detour. We'll do an Elon Musk episode, like actually deep diving into who he really is and you know the ruling class agenda that he's putting forward even though it's under the guise of being an old establishment figure but that aside let's talk about how annoying he is on twitter right now yes let's get into it okay do you remember when he tweeted this 
February 14th, first on Valentine's Day, no less. No. On Valentine's Day, he tweeted, the new CEO of Twitter is amazing. And it's a photo of, I, I guess, his dog or someone's dog. And, like, obviously, the joke is that he's the CEO of Twitter or whatever. It's just annoying. It's just, like, very boomer humor. Um, and he also, like, um, he tweeted this. Uh, this is my finest work. Please add to gravestone. Please add to my gravestone. And it's a, a quote tweet of one of his previous tweets from 2022, where he says, "Quote: Next, I'm buying Coca Cola to put the cocaine back in." And people immediately Ooh, noticed that he guy. stole this tweet from someone else. Someone else tweeted uh, days before that, like actually one day before that. Quote, Elon Musk should buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in. He literally mm-hmm. stole that tweet. And people are noticing that, like, recently he's been doing that a lot on Twitter. Like, if you go into his likes, you'll see he, like, likes a meme. And then, like, if you go into his tweets, you'll see that he tweeted the same meme, like, an hour later. Yeah. So he's just, like, really fucking desperate meme for Lord. views and and He's a fucking meme right lord. It's so pathetic. It's like, you have $200 billion. Like... We're supposed yeah. to be slaves to the algorithm, not you. Like we're supposed to, like, you should crave be in a validation tub, from getting a the massage. Masses. Like, you know? yeah, it's so lame. You know, I don't think this is just stupid and annoying. I think it's actually part of um, his intentional branding as like the next Trump, the next like annoying guy online that you can kind of stick anything to, um, like alt right figure. Even though, if you actually look at where his financial interests lie and his history, he's he's the definition of establishment he's not alt anything right Mm -hmm. but anyway um and he also a regular dude the way he's trying to position himself against like the world economic forum and the rest of the ruling class is so stupid because it's like you are literally what is he now the third richest man on earth maybe he's the fourth maybe he's the second it's constantly fluctuating but whatever he's up there Uh like you are the definition of the billionaire class but he's trying to like appeal to the everyman be like i'm with you yeah these people running the world, don't they suck? Yeah. Can't believe they're trying to impose their agenda on us. And it's like, give away your money. Yeah. Oh, give away, you, you have $200 billion? I don't give away $190 billion. He's not liquid, though. He's yeah. like, well, that's he lives scam on billionaires. Yeah, he's like in so much debt. I, I think he's. Okay, well, he has enough yeah, to do something good with it. Yeah. Also, uh, in this group of founders is Greg Brockman, who was the CTO of Stripe. You know, Stripe, like the... Payment app. Exactly. Um, Peter Thiel. Another uh, These PayPal guys, like, literally, like, will the world ever escape? They're a posse. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we're all suffering under the reign of all these PayPal guys. Peter Thiel, Elon Musk. Will they ever leave us alone? But in addition to being a PayPal guy, Peter Thiel... He's also the co-founder of Palantir, and mm. I we probably are going to do a deep dive into Palantir, but let's just, like, I guess take di- dip our toe into Palantir real quick. Long-standing relationship with the CIA, supported, uh, like, through technology, so not just supported, like, I support you, but, like, supported through technology, the U.S. military occupation of Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, mm. Again, supported the U.S. government in its detention of immigrants, quote-unquote, illegal immigrants, um, through its contracts with the Department of Homeland Security. And then also Palantir is known for its like predictive policing programs where they're trying to support police departments mm-hmm. through the use of AI. Um, and Which is just usually A way algorithms. to target minorities. Yeah, yeah exactly. Algoriz- algorithms based on data sets that are chosen by the police. So you have, a, you know, police mentalities baked into right. the algorithm. And therefore judges people and and some people end up staying in jail longer because the algorithm says that they might 
be criminals longer. Yeah, so it's basically like a really fair and objective system. Exactly. Where we should definitely be relying on technology. So, and also Carbine 911, which is another predictive policing company um, that has contracts with police departments and emergency services providers for like predict who's going to commit crimes and all of that, was also funded by Peter Thiel. Yes. Don't call him a one-hit wonder, basically. Yeah. He, he will oppress communities abroad. But he will also oppress communities at home and then also on the border in between within our borders, outside of our borders, and then also on the border. So and I think, yeah, selling technology to the government is probably the best game in town because the government is like, well, how much does this cost? How much does this calculator cost? A hundred thousand dollars. This is from Whitney Webb. Quote, Carbine 911 which was funded by Peter Thiel, entered into an agreement with the city of New Orleans this March. This was written in 2020. So in March 2020, a deal that gave the company access to all emergency 911 data and complete surveillance of those who call or interact with the city's emergency services system without any accountability or limitations. Just a month later, the New Orleans Police Department installed police checkpoints across the city. So this is kind of a glimpse into who Peter Thiel is. He does not say ACAB, right? (laughs) He's not like a a leftist activist. Like a lot of right-wingers are trying to say like open AI is, is, you know, leftists trying to impose their agenda. It's just like these are fucking... Venture capitalists and, you know, it's the same old, same old. Yeah, exactly. But Teal is on the Trump side. No. I mean, he definitely uh, had contracts with the Trump administration, but now those just transferred to Biden's DHS. Yeah. Okay. Peter Teal definitely contributed to some Trump candidates. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Trump candidate campaigns this last midterm. You mean like, oh, like Trump supported candidates? Mm. So Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he probably wants a relationship with every state government because he wants his contracts in every police force. With a guy like him, like, it's not ideology. You know, it's not like, oh, I really like what he said about the trans bathroom issue. Like, he just wants his contracts in every police department, I think. Yeah, and those and those administrations will spend more on security stuff. Exactly. Rather than social services, which yeah. is money in that theory, he can In theory, although contain. Democrats have especially in the last 15 years, like Democrats have been pretty good at spending money on security stuff. <laughs> exactly, cuz yeah. the social services are expensive. Yeah, we don't have money for that. <laughs> we don't have money. Should I do more on Teal or should we just do a deep dive on Teal another day? Because I have a lot of info on him. But I, I feel know. like we should get into the OpenAI okay. company. Real quick about Reid Hoffman, who is one of the other founders of OpenAI. He's most well known for being a founder of LinkedIn, right? So another tech guy. Um, but he's also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations Sponsored Task Force mm-hmm. on U.S. Policy and Innovation, which was formed in 2019. Um, He also funded the creation of Acronym, which if you know me from my work at RT, (laughs) you know about Acronym. No, tell us what Acronym is. Acronym is the company that sabotaged the Iowa caucus results. This was the first time I got censored on RT. I can't like... I, I can't get into it now. Um, I can, but I won't. What With the Iowa caucus, Bernie was supposed to win, but the app used to collect... In terms of polling... Bernie's win was inevitable. He might have not like actually won the general election, but in terms of the Iowa caucus, that was what was going to happen. Obviously, the establishment didn't want that. The story, if you want to believe it, is basically that they they created this app to basically sabotage that process and um, get basically anyone but Bernie to win just because like a lot of the way unfortunately the election works in this country is it's not so much about like oh people are going to vote and that's how they're going to vote and they're forever going to vote that way like a lot of 
those decisions have to do with the media cycle. So if someone does win the Iowa caucus, it like kind of gives momentum to someone and it gives this like inevitability of someone's rise and like it turns into like a so it's a it's a huge deal for the establishment to lose the iowa caucus even if maybe bernie wasn't actually going to win the whole election Mm -hmm. but that was their fear right and it just so happens that the app like didn't work so well exactly that the democrats go watch my segment on the shadow it does not exist anymore that's true it's been pulled from the web that segment was what got me mentioned in the german marshall funds uh, alliance for securing democracy report on russian disinformation if listeners want to know more about acronym and about reed hoffman since unfortunately my segments on him have been wiped from the internet because with the death of RT America, you can go read Max Blumenthal's article called Acronym Group That Sabotaged Iowa Caucus Birthed by Billionaire Who Funded Alabama Disinformation Campaign. His titles are so long. Uh, yeah. His titles are always way too he, long. He should get a chatbot to write his titles. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, funder of Acronym founded OpenAI. Basically what I'm trying to say is this is no rinky-dinky activist group coming to present an alternative to the horrible big tech. Like, this is big tech. Mm -hmm. They just put the word open in their name. (laughs) Exactly. OpenAI founded in 2015. Over the next few years, they launch a few different projects. Um, In 2016, they launched something called Jim, like G-Y-M, Jim, a platform that allowed researchers to develop and compare reinforcement learning systems. Um, They co-authored a paper in 2018 called Preparing for Malicious Uses of AI. Um, it's kind of a giant yawn for me when I read that. I, yeah. It's not even that interesting, but I guess it wasn't it, anything scary. It was just like, they could make bots that support Hitler. I feel like this kind of work, it goes to show like what they're trying to position themselves as, right? Like mm-hmm. we're very concerned for the future of humanity and that's why we're doing the work that we do. Yeah. A lot of these like long-termists and um, uh, effective altruistic people are obsessed with AI taking over yes. and AI becoming sentient. And we are just so, we are maybe thousands of years from machines becoming sentient. But it's also like self-fulfilling prophecy vibes because the only reason this is so much in the zeitgeist, this this fear, this concern about AI taking over is because of these people. I mean, Elon Musk has been talking about this shit for like 10 plus years now. Oh, you know, biggest threat to humanity is AI. We have to merge with AI so that AI doesn't take over. Like all this stuff, it's like, it's it's the ruling class kind of imposing that idea on us, even as far as like even even like through media sometimes in material terms, AI is not taking over. But we hear so much about the threat of AI taking over, and that is what funds all these projects that prevent AI from taking over. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So now they get all these budgets to prevent this horrible thing that was probably never going to happen and you guys were the only one talking about it happening anyway exactly and it's like when chat gpt gets information it's like worse than a google search you know because they're picking something from the internet they're trying they're also trying to formulate it to sound like a human and it right. all often ends up inaccurate so it's it's kind of also a step back i think we need to just like be critical always like question when somebody uses the word ai or artificial intelligence it's not it's not quite intelligent yeah it's a program it's it's pattern recognition basically but i think what you the comparison you make with google is really apt because it's kind of like a an extreme version of what we already have with uh web search or google right 
which has now become synonymous with web search because that's the nature of fucking monopoly. But um, but instead of you, you never, choosing the link, right? In theory, but think about it. It's like what Google search like usually gives you like hundreds of results, but we rarely go past the first page. We almost always click like one, two, or three, right? Yeah. In terms of recommendations, but now and and at least you kind of have a choice there, even though Google chooses what to put up top you kind of have a choice of what to choose between the three things that they decided to serve you up top. But now with OpenAI's ChatGBT and other chatbots like it, it's mm-hmm. just one answer. And like you alluded to, it doesn't cite its sources. So it just tells you, here's the answer, here's the truth. So yeah, we have to consume it really critically. Great point, Michelle. I think a lot of people are like, is this a fad? Is it going to kind of go in the background because so many people are hyping it up and being like, this bot is going crazy and telling us we're stupid and it's sentient and and it's just hyped up so much that we believe its capabilities are way better than what it is and then it'll kind of disappoint the consumer and we'll be like fuck this and go back like nfts web3 uh you know crypto to a certain extent where Mm -hmm. it's like a fad so you think it's overhyped for sure, it's over overhyped, but I think since big tech, they are putting so much money into this right now. There's just so many resources going to um, going to chatbots that <clears throat> and going to generative um, generative AI. They are investing so much that we're seeing. I think we're gonna be in this hype cycle for a long time. I actually think it's underhyped. Okay. I think a lot of the hype around ChatGPT right now is about like, look, it's biased or like it failed at creating a perfect nursery rhyme or whatever. It's about like what's shocking about what it returns. But Mm. the underlying technology, I think, is actually being undervalued right now. It is really good at sounding like a human. Obviously, it's not the word sentient has a real definition. And by that definition, ChatGPT is not sentient. It does not know. No, it it doesn't have knowledge, right? And to a certain extent, it is degrading the knowledge that it's gathering from a database. It's not creating new knowledge. It's taking existing knowledge and spitting it out back to you, right? It is going to be used by a lot of people to replace a search engine. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it should be or not, it will be. That has, I think, a ton of interesting implications because unlike a Google search, although Google, there's a whole history there of them censoring certain news stories and suppressing information to fulfill political agendas. And like, obviously, Google search is not perfect or DuckDuckGo or whoever, Bing, if anyone's using that. (laughs) um, These web searches are are not completely objective and perfect, right? But ChatGPT kind of takes that bias and that subjectivity in... Um, algorithmically selecting and arranging web results to a new level because ChatGPT will actually refuse to answer certain questions. That idea sounds right in theory, right? Because it's like how to build a bomb. Like, okay, kind of get that they're not going to tell you how to do that or how to clean a murder weapon. Fine, ChatGPT maybe is going to refuse to tell you that. How to brainwash someone. Oh, great. ChatGPT is refusing to tell me how to brainwash someone. This is a good thing, right? Yeah. For these really cut and dry, like, you know, how to murder someone, it sounds like a good idea, right? But not everything is super black and white. What about subjective things, right? And then the question becomes, who's making those decisions? This is not a democratized process where the, the people of the world are deciding what chat, right? Like with any tech company. So yeah, it is big, it yeah. is big tech deciding for you. Right. It's, it's and you're never going to get a critical lens of the owners, you know? You're not going to get a critical lens of the owners. And if 
maybe if I had a trillion dollars, I could have influence over OpenAI, and then then you're not going to get a critical lens of me either. Mm. With any sort of like knowledge providing technology, whether it's web search or a chatbot, knowledge provided by technology, especially under capitalism, is never objective. And I do want to also mention that there's, I mean, you may have seen articles on the net that are like the very arcane chatbot style where it's like, Amy Caravani's net worth is $30 million <laughs> and she stands at five six, yeah. and look, there's all this inaccurate information yeah. because um, there, there are people who are just trying to make news sources right. or information kind of computed um, based on the internet searches that they have. And so there's going to be a lot more copied information by yes. chat that's put out into the web and it's going to be it's going to make it harder to find accurate information. Yes. And you're not always able to like trace it to its original primary source. This touches on like some of the worst aspects of the internet age and like social media in general cuz like no one really consumes primary sources anymore. We already had that issue obviously, you know, yeah. way back when people were getting their news from TV. It's like, okay, the news anchor is telling me something. I take it as fact. Also, in general, like with social media, we when's the last time you you really engage with a primary source? Unless you decide like, oh, today's my research day. I'm going to go look at who the board of directors of Raytheon is today. Like you have to go seek that information out. That stuff doesn't come to you through social media, right? Exactly. And the chatbot is kind of similar to that. taking some spicy screenshots. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if it's the chatbots had like hyperlinks, if, if within every sentence... Yeah, they should assertions have assertions were hyperlinked. That could be kind of interesting, but it's just probably not. Gonna yeah, you got to get footnotes, yeah. Chat GPT. Can't be out here running your mouth. Yeah. What's interesting is that OpenAI is not the only company to have technology like Chat GPT. Google has this kind of technology inside the company, but in research yeah. mode, right? Yeah, it's they're not, not released like a yeah. product to the public yet. Yeah, Google is very secretive about its products, and they're like, "Our robot is sentient." Yeah, but you can't see him. Trust us, it's better though. It's definitely better though, and it very well might be though because Google has a lot more at stake. It makes sense that they wouldn't want to release a conversational robot to the public at this stage. There's the liability issue, right? Because Google's so big. I mean, OpenAI is no small company. But it's nothing compared to Google, right? If its chatbot said one racial, racial slur, that could impact the stock price. That could impact Google's regulatory efforts. Like Google really can't have like a bad press day. There's mm -hmm. way more at stake. So it makes sense that the quote unquote smaller players, although I really hate calling OpenAI a small company um, because it's backed by Microsoft and Peter Thiel. But um, medium-sized players, I guess, let's say, uh, kind of have the upper hand in the chatbot space because if Google's bot, which is called Lambda, which is another lame name, L-M-D-A, I believe, you know, if it says one racial slur, it's a horrible day in the press for Google. So that's probably why Lambda is not out for public use. But Google does have a comparable assistant type of technology like the Google Assistant in the Google Home, which I think mm -hmm. you use, right? I it's do use, but it's not that sophisticated. I really just ask it for the weather maybe five times a day because yeah. I don't really listen to its responses. <laughs> the voice is so robotic, it's kind of hard to remember what she says. I'm sorry. Yeah, fix that. Fix that, Google. But but it still is more of a, you know, it's a conversational vibe. It's an ask and reply vibe. So that's technically mm. a chatbot, even though it's not as sexy as ChatGPT. She's like, I collected this from the web. 
She's just retrieving Google search results. Okay, but at least she's citing her sources. Yeah. ChatGBT should be, I collected this from www at blah, 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 blah. Yeah, ChatGBT versus humans. What do you think? Are they going to replace us? Well, like um, like the customer service bots, we're going to be um, like maintaining what the bot cannot do. Mm. And we're going to have to be... like It's like what we talked about with the robots. Like, you end up having a workforce serving the robots this creates uh, an underclass of workers that's going to be paid less mm. and and it's going to be rather slaves to the machine for bit, lack of a better term true yeah i feel like the science fiction uh narrative about being slaves to the machine is very black and white where it's like we work for the machine but really it's the machines and workers serve the capitalist class mm-hmm. who both uh who treat both groups both the machines and workers um as expendable and make decisions based on profit and so if it ends up giving them the best margins to have you know a group of workers uh tending to the machines and mm-hmm. paying them you know a dollar then that's what they're going to choose to do right so it's like but that's not the machine's fault. We're not slaves to the machine. We're we're slaves to our bosses who are choosing to spend money on machines that yes. and, and choosing to pay us less as a result. Yes. So they can have the illusion, basically, yeah. that that you're a customer. You're you're speaking to a robot who who can do all these crazy things. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about like robots taking your job, etc. And that's pretty true. Like uh, automation is as already taken like thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of jobs right but with ChatGPT, it's interesting because now you have the potential to eliminate some white collar jobs like advertising jobs a lot of marketing copy can be done by ChatGPT. you've been using it <laughs> i've been i've been using it a ton like my day job is in marketing and i i churn out blog posts with ChatGPT constantly ChatGPT versus humans like who would win for one the humans are a little bit more energy efficient mm-hmm. not to be a greta or anything but um not to go full greta not to go full greta or anything but chat takes a lot of gpu and electricity power to train although i have to train in a way i have to grow up and get a degree for like 20 plus years i have to quote unquote train and consume food and energy and okay. breathe air so maybe i'm less energy efficient than all the gpu know. that the chat uses because the chat I mean, only takes it only takes uh, a year and a half to be fully trained and released because ChatGPT was given a year to learn all the text data from the internet. And then for six months, it was guided by human judges for its supervised learning portion. So that's a mm. year and a half to fully get trained and online and ready to work. Whereas I, I had you to were... take about 25 years to become who I am now. Yeah, but they're using so much, so many completed works that have been done by other people right so true that's like yeah it's I not mean, a real yeah. comparison <laughs> so yeah they're, like like we said earlier some of the older language models that they're using are like from our grandparents generation and that's why they're saying that you <laughs> good know, evening <laughs> good evening good day what? good morrow look at a, what a swashbuckler that guy is <laughs> i don't know in 2016 when microsoft launched tay a little twitter chatbot mm. and tay Tay and you. It was at Tay and you, and it was supposed to be a youthful Twitter chatbot that you can 
to have fun with. So where would you go to talk to Tay? On Twitter. So you would respond to her tweets? Respond to her tweets. Okay. She would learn from the responses. Oh. And thus okay. she would be able to supersede whatever rules she was programmed with. And there's people, I don't know, there's like a Reddit forum that's like just dedicated to jailbreaking mm-hmm. chatbots and getting them to say wild shit. Got it. And full Nazi in 24 hours. You're kidding. Because, and so... Microsoft had to kill it, and they were like, oh, sorry for that. NVM? And so... Wait, what were some of the Nazi tweets that it said? March 2016, Microsoft has been forced to dunk Tay, its millennial mimicking chatbot, into a vat of molten steel. The company has terminated her after the bot started tweeting abuse at people and went full neo-Nazi declaring that, quote, Hitler was right, I hate the Jews. Okay, well, egg on my face. Because when you said full Nazi, I was like, all right, what did it really say? Yeah, what did he really say? <laughs> Hitler was right, I hate the Jews. Well, that'll do it. Tay went from humans Chatbots are super Chatbots don't cool. know dog whistles. Like, you yeah. gotta be like, nuance. Huh. Who runs the media? You know, (laughs) it could have become a bird watcher. It could have become a coffee aficionado. It could have become a cat mom. It had to go Nazi. Like, why is that where? Because the, because you know the trolls online are like, let's fucking break this thing. Um, Baidu also recently announced its chatbot that stands for Enhanced Representation Through Knowledge Integration. At least that acronym has like a nice name. What's it it called? Ernie Bot. Like Mm. Ernie. That's a nice name. Better than Chat GPT. Bernie, yeah. Where's no, Bernie? No, Ernie. Ernie. I know. Oh. Oh, Bert and be. Ernie. So this is from February 2023. China's Baidu reveals generative AI chatbot based on language model bigger than GBT3. Bilingual bot will be called Ernie outside China and will be called Wenshin Yian within. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, DM us if that is incorrect. Chinese web giant Baidu, which has AI in its name and has made AI the focus of its hyperscale cloud, has revealed that it will launch a chatbot later this year. The company plans to complete internal and testing in March before making the chatbot available to the public. So eventually we're going to see a roundtable probably between Ernie, Lambda, and uh, yeah. ChatGPT. Oh, it's Bing chatbot is yeah. Sydney. Which it's just like, it's already... of all the Microsoft products you want to expand with this new technology, you're really going to choose Bing, the one that's like been memed on so hard that literally no one cares for or uses. I use it. You I use, use Bing? it to find streaming illegal video. Really? Streaming. You can't Google. Um, it's like buried in Google results. Damn, okay. Legal streams. I'd be watching TV for free, girl. ChatGPT is going to quote unquote kill jobs. But I don't think it's going to kill jobs as much as much as it's going to change jobs. Instead of writing the article, you're going to edit what the ChatGPT says. Right. And, and you- it's going to be take longer than actually writing the article but it's going to be undervalued labor so you're going to be paid less mm, i disagree it doesn't take longer it, take, <laughs> it takes less time depending to, on what to you're prompt writing an AI Depended- and then edit. yeah of course if, if it's a news article it, i mean from what i've read yeah it takes longer it, well okay you have to do for news because chat doesn't have up-to-date news info but if you feed it bullet points it will spit you back out a nice you know fifth grade reading level uh, fully fleshed out article. Mm-hmm. But you have to do the research and give it the bullet points. And then edit it to make it sound okay. 
I mean, have you seen some of these articles on Business Insider and Vice and The Verge? Like, they're not they're not writing at a really high level. Like, ChatGPT yeah. is on par with those writers right now. No offense okay. to them, because okay. go get your bag. But it's not... Okay. Maybe... It's not taking news jobs fine, but it is taking jobs. It will. Whenever capitalism brings new technological improvements, the byproduct is unemployment. That does It doesn't need to be like that, but that's how it is because of the way employers are incentivized to make decisions, right? Jobs do get automated out of existence, unfortunately, and our instinct is to blame the machine, to blame the technological innovation, right? Like the mm -hmm. Luddites would go and like literally smash the machines. Um, but the workers being replaced by machines is not a inevitability it's a choice that employers make right employers are choosing to replace workers with machines so for example if chat or any technology right if it's making my workers twice as productive as they were before let's say they're churning out six buzzfeed quizzes instead of three <laughs> which a chat day are you exactly which racist chatbot are you <laughs> yeah. um but, like, if technology is making my workers twice as productive as they were before, so, like, let's say, instead of making 100 mugs in an hour, I, my company can now make 200 mugs in an hour or 100 mm -hmm. mugs in 30 minutes, right? I can choose to fire half my workers or I can say that everyone is still employed and I'm doubling your wages and you now work half as much. And that's what would happen if the workers made that decision because they wouldn't choose to fire half of themselves, right? The idea that like technology necessarily leads to unemployment is not inevitability of technology. It's a byproduct of the way that capitalism mm -hmm. structures the relationship between employers and employees. Yeah, it's, it's exaggerating that divide and like the powerlessness that you have as a worker. Exactly. And the power that the employer has is increased. Yeah, like if the workers had the decision-making power, then they could decide to use that technology to improve their own lives, to, you know, increase their leisure time to say, okay, well, now we only need to work four hours a day instead of eight hours a day because this technology, thank you, technology, is making us twice as productive yeah. before, right? Instead of being like, okay, well, now half of us are out of a job because this technology is making us twice as productive before. And obviously, usually it's not cut and dry twice as productive. It's just... For argument's sake, it's an easy way to think about it. It's usually like, you know, 10% more productive or something like that. Storm the headquarters of Google. <laughs> With what slogan? There's a way to take advantage saying, yeah. of technological advancements to benefit the masses of workers. I was thinking Capture like the a benefits flag. of technological <laughs> change to benefit the welfare of the masses and not the profits of a small handful of employers. Okay, it's let's pop. ask ChatGPT what would be yeah, a good slogan. If we could just condense that. But it, I do think it's funny because there's some losers out there that only care about automation now. Like you're hearing a lot of people like, oh my God, I'm going to be out of a job. Like this is going to get rid of all. It's like, okay, well, where were you when automation was like getting rid of a bunch of factory jobs? Like with chatbots, we now have the potential to automate out some white collar jobs as opposed to mm -hmm. just manual labor, which is usually what the story of automation involves. Should we ask ChatGPT to like give us an outro? Now that we've thoroughly criticized it and its parent company, let's ask it to work for us. Yeah, goddammit. Um, create closing statements for podcast <laughs> about negative effects. On the economy, comma, education, comma, education, comma, comma, labor, yeah, and, and human relations, and human relations, 
we also mentioned how big tech harnessing this this, <laughs> this technology will big tech harnessing and investing heavily in tech i mean what kind of chat bar are you the most scared about like dead relatives uh you got dead historical figures historians are very mad about this right now racist chatbot okay um plagiarism chatbot plagiarism chatbot that tells you when you're plagiarizing no that that helps you plagiarize thank you for tuning into our podcast today we delved into the negative effects of chatbots on the economy <laughs> bullshit bullshit from displacing jobs and disrupting labor markets to reducing the need for human interaction and eroding social skills, chatbots have the potential to fundamentally alter our society and the way we live and work. But as discussed today, it's not just the technology itself that is at issue. Big tech companies are investing heavily in chatbot technology, which raises important questions about the concentration of power and resources in the hands of a few tech giants. So she's still going. Oh. <laughs> so as we move forward, it's critical that we approach the development and deployment of chatbots with care and consideration. Boring, boring, boring. Listen up, y'all. Let me drop some rhymes about why search engines shouldn't be replaced by chat lines. No matter how advanced AI has grown, it's no match for search engines zone. Chatbots may be cool, hip, and all that jazz, but they can't replace results of search engines pizzazz. Search engines are like an encyclopedia. A library of sorts, while chatbots can only be providing limited reports. Search <laughs> engines can give you all the facts. Chatbots may provide a few, but that's just acts. With a search engine, you can refine your search. With a chatbot, you'll have to make do with what it's learned in its research. What if we find out, like, Lil Yachty used it's like, chat GPT? He's, like, behind the screen, like, sweating, trying to get this out for me. It is an exact science. Words always sound the way that they sound. You just have to learn all the words and what the sounds make they make. Yeah. They should have this down already. Chad GPT should be able to rap. I agree. But anyways. anyway, that's a wrap for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.